Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. This one looked a little different. But same result. They get a comfortable win, win by double digits, stretch it out, pull away, and eventually just blow the Hornets off the floor in the fourth quarter. It was a weird game. Crazy game. The Jazz were not sharp early. Charlotte was... uh, Motivated, They were the more lively team, the more energized team, and they took it to the Jazz. They forced a lot of turnovers, which, as Quinn Snyder noted in his postgame, you'll hear that coming up later in the hour, uh, it's how they play. They take chances. They gamble. Donovan Mitchell talked about that, too. They like to get in the passing lanes, go for steals, and get out and run. And, of course, if they don't get the steal, then the Jazz have them in a scramble and ought to be able to get either a dunk for Rudy or a three-pointer. So early in the game, it was all turnovers. A lot of points in transition. I think there's a decent discussion about whether the Jazz defense was really bad or whether all the defensive numbers got bad because there were so many turnovers and points in transition. Certainly there were some breakdowns in the half-court defense, but I'd lean more towards the transition points were killing them. Uh, But then down 81-70, midway to late third quarter, the Jazz suddenly got rolling. They went on a 10-3 run to make it 84-80, and Charlotte called the timeout, and they dropped another run on them. It didn't really, that timeout didn't really disrupt them. They just kept the run going, and the Jazz went up 91-90 going to the fourth quarter. And then they opened the fourth quarter with like a 20-2 run. <laughs> and it was over. It was pretty much a 20-point game the rest of the way. And the Jazz win big. The three-point shooting for the Jazz, unbelievable. 28-55. I mean, we had Rick Bonnell on who covers uh, the Hornets for the Charlotte Observer. And he told us the threes are inevitable. He says, Charlotte gives up a lot of threes. The Jazz take a lot of threes. It's no accident that the Jazz made like 26 of them when they scored, uh, I think, 138 points in Charlotte and won that game by 20-whatever. And similar deal here. Uh, Niang went off. <laughs> he was 7 of 7. But he wasn't the only guy who was hot. Uh, Joe was 7 of 10. Clarkson was 5 of 10. I mean, those three guys came off the bench and went 19 of 27 from three. Oh, <laughs> This is video game numbers. What are, what are we doing here? Uh, so Larry the Laker uh, was tweeting back when I was tweeting about those numbers, and is like, yeah, but that won't happen in the playoffs. That's unsustainable. Well, of course it is. <laughs> it's, it's the most three-pointers in the history of the NBA by a, a bench. It's, I think, the second most three-pointers in the history of the NBA by a team. Of course it's not sustainable. You're not going to do that 16 times in the playoffs. Absolutely not. Now, I will say that, Three of the top five three-point shooting nights now in the history of the league have been this month. So the game is changing. So what was normal and what was sustainable is different now. You know, it, it just is. Uh, but having said that, I, I do not expect the Jazz to go 28 for 55 <laughs> in one playoff game after another. I wouldn't think that's going to happen. So, Jazz get away with the 22 turnovers. It just looked like two different games. Uh, everything that happened until it was 81-70, and then everything that happened after 81-70. It was just night and day. <laughs> it was just completely different. Jazz ran them off the floor. And the defense, man, the defense got a lot better. Rudy blocked like six shots. Um, you know, I, there was a stretch there where he wondered if he was going to get to a triple-double because... He just started. There was one possession where he blocked like two shots in two minutes. He was just so energized. The energy was so different than it was early in the game. So the Jazz get the victory. All right, we're going to take a break. 
Uh, we do have the best of jazz post game show coming up. You're going to hear from Quinn Snyder. You're going to hear from uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who could be, I would think, will be uh, picked as uh, All Star reserves. That'll get announced on TNT at five o'clock tonight. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Uh, he's in California, so we will never get him this early in the morning. But he knows a lot about basketball, and it's interesting, and we'll get into this with him, you know, for different reasons. He follows the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz pretty closely, and they are the top three teams in the West. Although, the Lakers did lose again to the Wizards in overtime last night. Um, but here's Steve, talking hoops with PK and I. Steve, Good morning. Good morning. So, Steve, the top of the West in the NBA is interesting. You know, you grew up in California. The team of your youth, the Lakers, you went to college at UC Irvine right down the road from the Forum, and you could follow them. You coached in Utah. One of the star players that you coached at Fresno, Paul George, is with the Clippers. And now the Jazz play the Clippers with both teams at full strength. And so you have interesting takes on all these clubs. You see the Jazz and the Clippers play. Does this reset what you think about the West? How do you look at these three teams now? You know, uh, right now, you know, if we had to play for a championship, I think it would be either the Jazz or the Clippers, just based upon what's happening. Obviously, Paul and Kawhi missed some games, but uh, I've watched them play their last couple of games. And uh, this is a big, I mean, you could say it's a big game for the Jazz, but I think it's actually a bigger game for the Clippers. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, what's going on. I don't know if you saw any of that Clippers game last night, but Paul must be on some kind of minutes restriction. Yeah. Because he goes for 36 or 37, and all of a sudden he doesn't play the last three or four minutes when they have a chance to win the game. And I'm thinking, certainly minutes restrictions, you can figure it out where someone could actually be in the game at the end. I I, I, I could not understand that. Maybe there's something I don't get. But uh, this is a big game for the Clippers. I'm not, something that they can prove that, you know, together they should be pretty healthy. Um, but the Jazz obviously uh, play well. They play well pretty much whether they're at home or on the road for the most part. And, they, you know, they just uh, played each other a little bit ago. So, I don't know. I, I, I think the Clippers have more to prove. And uh, but certainly they have great talent, and uh, you know they've got to be better defensively than they've been. They, they just do silly things. So I know watching the game the other night or last night, I watched the last part of it. Felt like the Clippers had plenty of opportunities to win, but uh, the Nets prevailed. Yeah, I think that was obvious there. That was a fun game to watch on Friday. It had yeah. a little bit of a uh, a playoff atmosphere, and the Clippers clearly were jacked for that game, knowing that it's a national television game. Their guys have been out, and the Jazz had won 21 out of 22, whatever it was. And so they're the team that's getting a lot of the attention. So I, I appreciated the playoff intensity. One of the things that was interesting in that game was that Conley comes back after missing six games, right? Jazz go 6-0, and obviously, during that time. And I was looking at Joe Ingles, 
in half of those games, he scored at least 20 points. He scored 20 points, I think, four times this season. So three of them came when Conley was out. One came when Mitchell was out earlier in the season against the Mavericks. So when he moves in the starting lineup, statistically his production goes up. He's one of these guys that you can't just strictly judges contribution by a box score but when Conley comes back the other night he goes one of four isn't near the factor what can Quinn Snyder do it's just one game so I don't want to go crazy either but what can he do to increase Joe's productivity because obviously the talent is there well I I think Joe has really played well and I think I mean I think those are converse private conversations that you have first of all with you know with Joe and and you talk about what his role is and he can't I think there's a tendency to defer to you know leading scorers guy you know yes systems are set up to get certain guys certain shots certain places and when you come in and fill in for a guy that's been playing significant minutes you just assume automatically you know mentally emotionally every which way hey these are my minutes and I'm going to get those shots and and then when he comes back, you take a more of a secondary role, and I I think you have to be careful about that because Joe is a guy that really when he gets it going, he's just so cerebral as he plays, but he can really shoot it. And so I think they have to have that conversation. I think they probably if they haven't already, you know, just to watch a film like that. So let's see where how aggressive you really were here. I mean, that was a shot you should have taken. You know what, what's going on here and. So sometimes players do get – and Joe's a seasoned veteran. I mean, he's a guy that knows how to play the game, understands the game. But it is true that – and it's not just with the Jazz. You see it all the time where guys have opportunities. There's just virtually – you just get locked in and know, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm taking this open shot. It's mine. And, uh, and, and you play with a different mindset. So I think it's a bit more about the mindset than it is about his physical attributes, as you mentioned. I mean, he's been playing really well. Uh, but he's got he's to get his looks, take his shots, because when he is shooting well, that team is way different. And I don't think they give a whole lot up when anytime Joe Ingles plays, but he's not as athletic as some guys, and you know, he's not going to – there's some guys who have maybe a more difficult time guarding. But when he's on the floor, they're, they're just such a cerebral group, and they just – it's always one more pass. And uh, I – they're all veterans enough to know that, hey, if one more comes to you and you've got your feet squared ready, you have to shoot the ball. And that you have to, I just say it's a mindset thing that coaches can talk with players and, uh, and players can talk with players. You know, and I mean, I think there's a situation where, I mean, I, I don't know who the leaders are in that locker room. I would think Joe would be one of them. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell certainly has a, is a voice. You know, he, Donovan Mitchell, He for me, I would probably call Donovan Mitchell and say, hey, talk to your boy here. He's, he's got to take shots. Uh, you know, he can't – he's got to know that we trust him and that we have confidence in him. So I think you work the angle a little bit through coaches, through players, and, and then you move on. But you make, the message is clear that you've, you've got to be involved in this offense for us because there's going to be injuries. There's going to be things happen. And you got to be prepared for all the things, especially this year. Oh, my goodness. Every every week, every game, there's somebody missing for some particular reason, and so uh, the Jazz have been able to stay at the top of this thing because they've got the, they've had the best continuity of guys playing. That yes, Conley missed five or six games, but guys stepped up and filled in, and uh, so <clears throat> that's just part of that culture there. And they just 
I agree with you. I think they're conversation. You got to at least have a conversation and talk about those things and then move on. So every every game, right, the teams bring the, the star power, the celebrity, the names on the jersey, the recent history of the clubs. But if you strip that all away, and coaches like to do that and say, it's just basketball, but the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nets play in L.A. and New York in the biggest markets. And they've got super teams in some form that were a combination of free agency and leverage trades that bring together all-stars and Hall of Famers. And the Jazz are built through the draft, some trades, and I guess one major free agent signing. So it's a different deal. Have you seen enough now, especially recently here with the Nets playing the Clippers and the Jazz playing the Clippers, to say the Jazz are on the same level as these three other teams with their star power and celebrity and all that stuff? Are you confident in that in a seven-game series with the Jazz against any of these or all of these clubs? I mean, I th- when I look at the Jazz, and the more you watch them play, the more you realize you know how connected they are as as a team, offensively and defensively. And I, and I think I've said this before: is I, I think with the Jazz, you do have some great players on that team, but it's more for me. It's just it's the sum of the parts are, are greater than individuals. And every game Donovan Mitchell plays, he gets better. You know, you, you, Conley comes back and he makes contributions. And, and Bogdanovich, you know, I mean, Bogdanovich will, you know, last week he had a couple of games where, you know, he's at 11, he's at 5, and then boom, he's at 23. And, and I'm not, I haven't watched all of these games because sometimes there's circumstances and things that impact this. But I, I do believe that my, my gut, in my gut it tells me the Jazz have the capacity and the capability to win a seven-game series. I think there's less margin for error for them than there is maybe for the Lakers' full strength and the Clippers' full strength. I'll be honest with you. I think the Lakers are really vulnerable. Uh, I think Caruso, who played really good last year, is really struggled. Kuzma, he's very capable, but makes me really nervous defensively and just as hot and cold. And uh, you know, and I, I don't. And Schroeder obviously has been down a little bit. And Anthony, you know, for me, Anthony Davis, when the Lakers were the best in the bubble, Anthony Davis was playing the five. And and I think in that situation, he, you know, you they had to go out. You know, it opens the floor because he can shoot it. But when he's inside, and he can do his work, and they can surround him with shooters, I like that version of the Lakers. So, uh, you know, right now. The, all three of those teams are awfully good. You know, you can nitpick a lot of things, but I, when I watch that game, the, the Clippers against the Nets, uh, you know, Paul is, is has really played well this year, and he, and obviously he's been he's been out. But with Paul and Kawhi uh, playing at that level, then Nicholas Batum didn't play either. I don't think for a couple of games, but I I think the Clippers and the Jazz right now are the two best teams in the West, and uh, I just I just don't trust. I just don't think. LeBron by himself can beat either one of those teams. Uh, but if, if you're talking about seven-game series in the playoffs, Jazz have never been more prepared, but there is still kind of a question mark. There was there a question mark like, can they beat them in seven games? And can McDonavich play well in four or five games where he's got to have 20? And can Joe Ingles be in a situation where he's scoring 15 to 17 a game coming off the bench or starting, whatever the circumstances are? You know, and occasionally Gobert will disappear, you know, depending on matchups and situations. So, yeah, I, I, 
I, I do have questions whether they can actually finish that right now. And we, I, I need, we need more games to watch. And, uh, and the thing about it, it we, it's kind of like fool's gold to me. A lot of this with the protocol issues, with uh, no home court advantage, uh, with injuries, it's really hard the first third of the season to get a sense in the field of what you really trust when you watch it play. And uh, I love, I've watched the Jazz enough to know that they are going to be in every game. They're, they're, not, they're just too well coached and too disciplined and, and too talented right now to go places and just get beat unless they, it's, a, you know, it's a back-to-back and, and uh, they're traveling across the country or something. I don't, I don't have that same confidence in the Clippers and the Lakers when they go through those things. So I, I think a little bit of the maturity of the Jazz is, is a significant role in their journey to, to get to the NBA Finals. But I still, there's something about the Clippers and the Lakers where they can do things on their own with or without an offense and just jump up and make shots. Brooklyn Nets especially. My goodness. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we really haven't seen them all play together for a period of time. Uh, but, the, but the Nets are really scary offensively. I mean, it, it's, you watch me just go, whoa. And, and then all of a sudden when the, the fourth and fifth guys come in and start making baskets, uh, I know defense wins championships, but the Nets might be able to put up 150 a night in the series. So we'll have to see. But I am, I'm higher on the Jazz and the Clippers right now than I am the Lakers. Uh, and, and even when Anthony Davis comes back, I feel like they can put him in a role where he can, in fact, play, score inside and score outside and not play two bigs together. Uh, I, I think it's just better when you have four shooters and you have a big that's so versatile like that. So speaking of those next, Steve, that's exactly where I was going. You know, they've been playing well, and Duran has been out. How much sacrifice is going to be required by their three big stars in order to make this thing work? I will tell you this. It's the most impressive basketball I've ever seen James Harden play. And I've watched him score 60 points in games and do crazy things. But he seems to have the, the innate ability to understand where he's at and what's going on. And if KD's not on the floor, certainly he understands that. But he def- he'll defer to KD. And, you know, Kyrie is going to do what Kyrie does. And, and when it's going, it's, it's unstoppable. But I, I think that I, I think the question mark for a lot of people was, how does James Harden come in here and fit? And I think he fits really, really well. Uh, I think he understands his role. Uh, he knows that uh, if there's just two of them on the floor, that he's got full license to go and create. When KD's there, he realizes how important KD is going to be. And you just watch James Harden play on a different team like this where he has opportunities and then he defers and passes. I mean, he looks, that's, I think that's the one thing as a fan. People go, you know, he's just jacking up 40 shots every game. You know, he's got the ball in his hand 80% of the time. But, he, I mean, certainly he's going to have the ball in his hands. But he's a different player right now, I think. And, uh, and I, they're, they're, they seem to be getting more comfortable. I, is KD coming back soon? I haven't heard. I didn't see any medical reports or anything. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch this team play a composite of 10 games together and see what that looks like because we really don't know what the Nets look like. And, uh, and, and Kyrie's ability to just create shots and make shots. But 
that that makes me that that part of Kyrie's game makes me nervous because when that's not going, does he know when to turn it off and defer and look to other guys as well? And uh, if they figure that out, they are going to be really good, and and uh, there'll be less talks about. Uh, how weak they are defensively, and more talks like, "Hey, this may be the greatest offensive team that you know. This may match the the Warriors type team where everybody could score and uh, and do it in a lot of different ways." So, yeah, I I, th- I think James Harden has come in and made that transition smooth. He seems to have a good attitude, and uh, they're they're pretty locked in. Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. We'll have a Jazz-Laker game in the books by then. Yeah, that's that's, that's going to be fun to see. All right, guys, have a great week. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz get another win. They spot the Hornets a lead, gave the Hornets two and a half quarters to mess around, and then the Jazz took over and dominated the last 15, 16 minutes of that game. Uh, It was a heck of a run by the Jazz. Just a flurry of three-point shots. They tightened up the defense. Jake's got the entire wrap-up now on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz beat the Hornets last night in a really exciting game, actually. 132 to 110. Uh, the Hornets uh, stuck with the Jazz, even led by as many as nine in the third quarter, but the, then the Jazz go on a 26 to 2 run, end up pulling away from the Charlotte Hornets, set a bunch of franchise records uh, in the process, particularly from three, set a record for attempts with 55, set a record for makes with 28. Uh, George Nian was 7 of 7 off the bench. Joe Ingles, 7 of 10. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was 5 for 10. The Jazz had 19 made three-pointers coming in off the bench. Just incredible. Jazz had four players score over 20 points. Donovan Mitchell with 23. Joe Ingles, 21. George Niang, 21. And Jordan Clarkson uh, with 20. Rudy Gobert had a nice night. 10 points, 12 rebounds, and six, count them, six block shots as Jazz scored 41 points in the fourth quarter. Going on to leave Charlotte in the dust. Let's get some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Okay, we'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, we talk about the ability of this team to be able to respond, and the Hornets were switching, causing issues, getting downhill in the first half. What were the little things that you guys did that allowed you to weather the storm and pull this one off? Well, we, we didn't do a lot of the little things right in the first half, and I think that's why there, there was a storm, um, beginning with you know getting back with enough urgency. Um, you know, they were able to get to the rim and transition, and you know, we just, we didn't get stops. We weren't, we weren't playing the way we needed to play defensively. And I think we were fortunate to be where we were because we were, we were still making some shots, but I, I thought at a halftime, you know, we really internalized that, that we needed to, you know, to be solid on the defensive end. And then, you know, the offense has a way of taking care of itself um, regardless of, 
you know, how people are defending us. If we just space um, and we're ready to, ready to shoot the ball, you know, we can, we can be effective. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Q, what did you see specifically kind of change defensively as the game went along? Obviously, it seemed like the transition defense improved a little bit, um, maybe a little more sound pick and roll. What, what specifically uh, started working for you in the second half, and especially in that in that twenty sixty two run? Well, when you have everybody doing their job, you know, pretty well, or one guy has a breakdown. Um, those things add up. So it was a variety of things. You mentioned we weren't getting back. Um, you know, they were laying the ball in a few times and we just weren't, um, we, we weren't alert. Um, we weren't locked up on the ball where we needed to be in pick and roll. We weren't talking and getting late switches when we needed to. We weren't hitting people on the glass. You know, we weren't at high enough for the point of the screen. We weren't locked enough against the guy in the corner. There was a bunch of things that, you know, they didn't happen every time. But when you have a possession and one or two things goes wrong, we didn't communicate. Um, you know, those teams, uh, those things show themselves. And, you know, I thought Charlotte did a really good job, too. I mean, they, they made plays and took advantage of the fact that um, we weren't as precise as we needed to be on the defensive end. And, you know, I thought the second half, um, we cleaned a lot of those things up, all those, those little things. Um, and, you know, th it makes it harder. And then, you know, you're fortunate if you can get them to miss some of those shots if they're you know, having to work harder to get them. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. George, he previously has another season, so it's probably a matter of how gratifying is it to come through the struggles that he's had this season. Sarah, I'm I'm sorry. I could I I, I couldn't. I only heard the, like little parts of the question. Which player you th you say George? Uh, George. Jordan or George? George. George. Yeah. George. Yeah. George. Yeah. George. George, because he's like a really capable player, but obviously he's been struggling. So is it nice to see him kind of get out of that a little bit? Yeah, it's. You know, the thing about George's shooting um, is that, you know, the best thing is he hasn't stopped. And, you know, we have so much confidence in him shooting the ball. Um, but I think it's it's like our team, you know, his ability to just run in transition, you know, get on the defensive glass, you know, doing all those other things. You know, I, I felt like I've looked at a game where he's, you know, been 0 for 5 or something and still felt like um, he, he, he played well. And, you know, I'd like to think our guys can play well, even if they're not making shots, as long as they're taking the right shots. And in George's case, as you said, it's, you know, it's affirming, you know, to keep doing that because we're all, you know, it's human nature. You can get frustrated if you're not seeing the ball go in the basket, particularly, you know, if someone like George is as good a shooter as he is. So um, I just like the fact that he didn't hesitate and he kept shooting. And, you know, that's that's how you break through is if you if you keep shooting it. So, yeah, it's it's I think all his teammates know how hard he works um, and know that, you know, he's he's doing all the little things that he can do to help the team. And, you know, his shooting is, is something that when he's, you know, on like that, it's, it's a, you know, it's obviously a, a big deal for us and it's, a, he's a weapon.
David James, KUTV. Quinn, that was an awful lot of turnovers there. Do you attribute them to spacing, decision-making, uh, focus? What, what happened? Well, this is a team in Charlotte that, you know, they, that's what they do. Um, and I think spacing definitely early on, I thought, you know, something as simple as, you know, ball faking, um, you know, pass faking, looking passes off, you know, not making a one, but just being really fundamentally sound um, because they take advantage of that. You know, when you do those things, you know, you're able to generate good shots, but they're, they're the way that they play, they're aggressive. And if you take care of the ball, you know, you're going to have those opportunities. But, you know, as you said, um, when you don't, um, you know, they're going the other direction. And those are, those plays are big, big swings. I thought, you know, you saw us be much more precise, both with the spacing and with our passing in the second half. And, you know, the results were good. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. When that lineup of Conley, Clarkson, Joe, George, and, and Rudy has been phenomenal for you guys on really both ends of the floor, you know, what is it that makes them, you know, obviously there's a lot of spacing there offensively, but, you know, especially defensively, why does that work out so well? Well, I think those guys, you know, and, and Mike, um, you know, Mike starts it with, you know, his, you know, his pressure on the ball, um, and just being up and disruptive and, and, and having an impact on the game. And, um, you know, I, I think one thing is their communication where um, they do a good job of talking, you know, talking plays out. Um, and maybe, you know, additionally, it's not a real big team um, that there's some urgency on the defensive glass. And maybe it's because if they get a rebound, they know they go to get to the other end and shoot too. So there's incentivized. But I think, I think Rudy's the key to a lot of that, to be honest with you. Um, when the floor space like that, you know, him tonight, his running, his rolling to the rim, you know, and his presence defensively. And um, those guys know how to use him and, um, you know, and they're, they're connected. There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, his team beat Charlotte 132 to 110. Uh, they improved their NBA best record to 25 and 6 on the season. Let's get some post game player sound. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell. We'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. <laughs> All right, Don, I just got to get your thoughts on the minivan, George Niang, tonight. Whew, he was lights out. <laughs> Man, literally. Um, you know, he continuously puts the work in time after time. Um, you know, for him to have a night like this is huge, not just for himself, but for us. You know, no hesitation, shooting the ball, letting it fly. <clears throat> making plays off the dribble, just being aggressive, sliding his feet on defense. Uh, he did it all in, uh, in all facets of the game. And, you know, we're happy for him. You saw we kind of got him a water tonight. But, you know, this this night is well earned for him. You know, and he's going to have many more just like this. Uh, but definitely, you know, I think he's, I think he broke a record tonight, like most made threes consecutive or something like that. Uh, but, you know, I'm glad that, you know, the, the work that he's been putting in is paying off and you've seen him have a, a really good season. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Don, there was a lot not going right for you guys early in the game. And then all of a sudden you start stringing a few stops together. You start making some threes. And the next thing you know, it's a 26 to two run and you guys are up, you know, 15 or 20. What does it say about this team that you've got, you know, the capability to just go on incredible runs like that at any given moment? 
I think, you know, the biggest thing, it just shows the will and the, <clears throat> the the character of this team. I think that's really where it starts with us. You know, it's never going to be perfect. We're going to have halves like that, you know, but it's not a much matter of reflecting on the half. It's a matter of what we do next. <clears throat> I think that's something that we, we've really, you know, excelled in this year so far is not really worrying about, you know, the mistakes, you know, understanding weather the storm, understanding that, you know, they came out hot, they came out ready to play, they played loose and played free, and then we locked in, you know, and, you know, it's always easy to say, man, we should have done it from the beginning, but it's not always going to be the case. Um, you're always going to have, you have teams that are ready to, ready to beat us, ready to, to play us, ready to go, and we just got to be able to go out there, and if we don't get the first punch, continue to just continue to plug away. You know, it's not going to be pretty always. It's going to be ugly games. There's going to be times where we're not, you know, seeing eye to eye. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's the competitive nature of the game. And that's just how things are sometimes. And the way we play throughout the course of the game, that's the team we want to be. You know, teams that <clears throat> like the number one team in the league wins a game like that. You know, and I think that's really where our head is at. You know, that's that's where we have to continue to be. Um, it's not about, you know, whatever, like 67, 64, you know, they, they went on a, a, a huge run the first and second quarter, but how we responded, that's, that's what, you know, when I say, like, when we say that that's the team we want to be, that's the team right there. Like that's the team bouncing back from adversity, understanding it's not always going to be uh, sunshines and rainbows and just gutting it out. And then offensively, you know, shooting the threes, you know, like it's, it's, it, it looks good, you know, but I think the biggest thing was just our defensive energy. Everything stepped up, made it tougher on them. Sarah Todd does right news. Hi, Don. Uh, <laughs> um, tomorrow, the all-star reserves are getting announced. And uh, I mean, I think probably obviously you and Rudy are hoping to both get in there. Um, what would it mean for you both to go a consecutive years? And then also, uh, how much are you pulling for Mike to actually make it into? Um, you know, it's it's definitely something as a kid, you know, um, it's definitely an honor. You know, I think the biggest thing, it just equates to our team success. You know, if we him and I make it, um, you know, I don't think that we kind of come into the season looking at, you know, I think, you know, for him and I, especially, you know, just kind of go out there and doing anything, whatever it takes to win, you know, and for, for him, it's, you know, you look at how he played tonight, you know, necessarily, not necessarily, you know, having a big game offensively, but, you know, he did a lot defensively, you know, that's what he does. That's a staple. And then for me, just continue to make plays and that's what we've been trying to do all year. And, you know, if it happens, you know, we're, we're, we're thankful and, and honored, but the end goal is still the end goal uh, for us and the team. And then, you know, the biggest thing is, man, I'm praying Mike gets in, man. I think, you know, for a guy like him who's done so many things for his career on and off the floor, he, he deserves this, you know, and I think, you know, I think he'll make it, you know, I, I'm, I'm banking on it, but, um, you know, he's, he's a guy that puts the work in time and time again, um, has, has put, put, you know, just the time and effort. And I think that's, this is going to pay off and, and pay dividends and, uh, we'll find out tomorrow. John Kuhn, AP. Donovan, as a team tonight, you guys made a franchise record 28 three-pointers. The last time you guys played the Hornets, you made a franchise record 26 three-pointers. What, what about the way Charlotte defends you guys on the perimeters allowed you to have that much success consistently against them specifically? Um, I think, you know, they're a team that, that takes risk, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that they, they have the personnel to do so. They have guys who are athletic, guys who are, you know, able to gamble and able to kind of get in the passing lane. You know, they're a team that turns people over and scores in transition. You know, I'd do the same thing if I was them, you know, I think. But it's about being able to keep our composure, you know, through that, you know, through, through the presses, through the trying to blow up our actions, just understanding, keeping our feet, you know, shot faking, making the extra pass, making the pass on target. Um, you know, with a team like that, you're going to 
turn the ball over. I think we had 19 tonight. I had like five or six myself, but it's continuing to play through that, understanding that there's going to be nights where they help, you know, they help untraditionally. They, they help strong side. They, they play, you know, they gamble and do different things. And, you know, we just got to continue to, to our level of focus has to raise even higher. And I think we did that. And that's why we're able to get these threes off. David James, KTV. Donovan, when the uh, the turnovers are piling up and it's a double digit deficit, and you said you can't always start the game that well, what what turns it around? Is it something somebody says, Quinn, or one of the players? Is it looking at each other in the huddle? What does it? Because it changes so quickly. Um, I think I think being there, you know, I think it's experience at the end of the day. <clears throat> sometimes it's somebody saying something. Sometimes it's you. We've been through this before. We've we've seen it as a group. We understand. Like we started the game off well. You know, we started the game off. You know, making plays. We missed a few threes, but guys got open looks. And then about the six minute mark, it kind of changed. Um, so understanding that the difference, you know, and just just communicating that. Um, and it took some. It took it took longer than. Ideally, we wanted to, uh, but I wouldn't even say it was the, the offense, to be honest with you. I think the turnovers were, were one piece, but, you know, just being able to get back in transition after makes, you know, there's a lap play where I made a lap and fell and then I'm jogging back. We're not communicating. We're not talking. We're not pointing. So we can turn the ball over. It's going to happen as part of the game, but it's how do we, you know, match up? Do we do we take a foul early to prevent them from running the break? We knew they were going to do that, but we didn't have enough tension and detail to that early. And then as we picked up our intensity, picked up our energy and picked up, you know, our mental focus on that that's what really made it you know easier for us there's donovan mitchell 23 points on eight of 17 shooting eight assists for donovan four rebounds as well and you heard him talk about how he hopes mike conley makes that all-star game that uh, he would deserve it talked about how hard mike has worked as well let's uh, get to george niang who had a career night last night all right we'll get started with ryan miller ksl hey george uh, could you just describe the feeling when you have it going like that um you know, obviously when you're in a rhythm and shots are going in, life is really good. You know, you just feel like you're in a zone. And obviously, uh, you know, as you can see, I was in that zone. And obviously when you're in it, it, it feels really good. Like I said before, when you make shots, you know, life is great. There's, you know, no problems ever in the world. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. George's, your uh, perfect life was unfolding late in the third and early in the fourth quarter. Um, what can you say just about the, the ability of this team to go on an incredible run like that? You know, that 26 to two run that, that really turned things around. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the group <clears throat> or groups that I was in there with, um, we were doing a tremendous job of, of moving the ball, but I think more importantly, uh, Rudy Gobert did a great job of, you know, anchoring our defense and coming up with huge blocks, um, you know, contesting a bunch of shots so we could get out and really fast break and not let them really have their defense set. Uh, that being said, Rudy sacrificing himself, you know, rolling to the rim and making their defense sink in and, you know, unselfish guys like Mike, Joe, the JC, uh, being able to find me on kickouts, um, for me to do what I do. Um, I think that's the great thing about this team, you know, is that we have guys that are willing to buy in and sacrifice to their roles. So, you know, maybe their personal numbers may not look the greatest, but the team's overall winning. And I, and I think that's what this organization stands for. And I think the guys in this locker room, have really bought into that. John Kuhn, AP. George, uh, tonight, the bench had 19 three, made three-pointers, which is the most by any team's bench in NBA history. Um, what, what can you just say about 
the consistency of the second unit for the Jazz and ability to give that lift at critical times? Um, you know, I don't want to just give credit, you know, to the bench unit because, uh, you know, there's times where the starters pick us up. Um, but I think that's an incredible accomplishment. 19 threes is a, is a lot of points. I, I wasn't a math major, but that's a lot of points. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think we go out there and we know our role and, uh, we, we do what, what we're supposed to do. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm tripping up on my words to try to give you a good answer, but like JC knows how to score pretty much on anybody, you know, when Rudy's in there or Faves in there, they know their job is to roll the rim to, you know, sink in the defense. Joe knows that, you know, he's to create for other guys and make open threes. And Mike knows the same. And I know my role is to take and make open shots. And if there's a bad closeout, drive a bad closeout. Like I said earlier, uh, you know, when you have a team that's bought into their roles and wanting to be stars in their roles, you have great success. And I think, you know, coach Q has really preached that and made us believe in that. And the proof is in the pudding. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. George, I was a math major, and I can tell you that that was a lot of threes. So um, <laughs> I want to ask about uh, that lineup. I mean, that bench lineup, you, uh, Mike, Jordan, and Rudy, you know, with either Joe or Mie or whoever else in there has been really good on the defensive side as much as anything. I mean, you guys have a lot of spacing, but the defense has been great too. What is it that makes that lineup work so well defensively, especially, I mean, is it just Rudy or what else is that kind of goes into your success so far this year? Uh, you know, I, I definitely want to give a lot of credit to Rudy. Uh, you know, his, what he does, I hope doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't go unnoticed in our locker room, but you know, publicly, you know, the way he alters shots, the way he makes other teams have to scheme and game plan around him allows us to, you know, have security pressuring up on the ball, knowing that the other team is going to have to score over a seven footer at the rim, two time defensive player of the year. Um, with that being said, you know, Mie does a great job on the ball, Mike, JC, Joe, but that can't happen if Rudy isn't behind us talking, anchoring the defense. So when you can make guys uncomfortable with pressuring them on the perimeter and force them to drive into uh, such a elite defender, um, you know, rotations seem more clear and easier and that really helps us. George Niang, 21.7 of 7 shooting, 7 of 7 from 3 as he comes in. And, uh, in fact, it's uh, the best, actually, excuse me, second best perfect three-point shooting night in Jazz history. Only Jeff Hornacek did it better on a night uh, back in November of 94 where he had 8 of 8 against the Sonics. So what a night for George Niang. Let's wrap uh, up the player sound with Rudy Gobert. We'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy. So I just wanted to uh, open up with that 26-2 to two run that you guys had in the late third, early fourth quarter that really kind of turned the game around. Just on top of kind of the incredible defensive turnaround that you guys had, uh, what really got you guys going during that stretch? Defense. You know, I think uh, they were really, really comfortable the whole game. Uh, we know we didn't have much physicality, uh, much disruption in the first half, and uh, they were feeling good. And when we started to, you know, get into them a little more, uh, get physical, protect the basket. Uh, you know, it was a different game, and 
we're always going to be, most of the time, we're going to be able to score. But if we don't play defense, we, we're not going to go nowhere. And, you know, we figured that out. Sometimes it's good to get a little slap in the face like we did in the, like we had in the first half tonight. And uh, just a little reminder that if we don't play defense, you know, we, we're not as good, not as good, not as good of a team. Ryan Miller, KSL. <laughs> hey, Rudy, um, with tomorrow with the all-star reserves getting announced, what would it mean to you to make it for a second consecutive year? I think it's, it would be a blessing, obviously, but uh, it's really a reward of what we've been doing as a team. And, you know, we, I mean, when I, when I look at all-stars and, you know, defensive player of the year, all the individual stuff is not possible without the team and what we do as a group. And, you know, I don't know how many we're going to have, but uh, regardless of what, uh, whoever's going to be selected, I think it's... Uh, it's just rewarding for the for the work that we do as a team and as an organization. David James, KTV. Rudy, when you got the technical, it looked like you were going to punch the uh, the basket support there, and then the replay maybe opened your hand at the last second. Were you, were you thinking that a blo- uh, you know a broken hand there would that would wreck a lot of hard work at this point? When you're really mad like that, does that stuff ever cross your mind? I got some skills. I don't think I'll break my hand like that. But uh, no, I wasn't going to punch him. Uh, you know, it was a, a little reaction of anger, but I still have self, enough self-control to, you know, not punch somebody, especially uh, somebody like Ty that I think is a good guy. You know, he, he had a few tough calls tonight, but he's not a bad guy. So no, I respect what they do and uh, I think they respect what we do. So. Sometimes you get a little angry, but that's why you have teammates to calm you down. Sam Farmsworth, KSL. Hey, uh, Rudy, we talk about oftentimes offensive players getting in the zone, you know, when they're, when they're shooting, when they're hot. How about you defensively? I mean, six blocks tonight. Do you feel like you get into the zone defensively at times that uh, no one can score over you at moments like that? No, I do. I do. And, uh, you know, for me, the, the the main thing is when I get into that zone, it's really to try to almost like share that to my teammates so we can all be in the, in the same zone. And I, I really think that's what happens tonight. You know, when I when I make plays like that, I think it fuels uh, the whole team. And all of a sudden, you know, we everyone got more energy and we the shots start falling even more. You know, we I think the team needs that and whether it's uh, somebody getting hard on offense or me doing that on defense, you know, that's why I think we so hard to beat is because we, we know that during the game, we're going to have those moments when we all come together as a team. And, uh, you know, when we, we lock in, we just completely lock in and, you know, and uh, whether we down 10 or up 10, uh, the game is completely changed after that. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. How would you describe what George Niang brought tonight and just in general, just the work that he's put in to have even nights like tonight, seven of seven from three, pretty amazing. I mean, it's amazing when you look at it, but you know, every time George shoot the ball, I feel like it's going to go in. 
uh, he's been putting a lot of work outside of practice, you know, a lot of extra reps and, uh, you know, and uh, it's just hard work. You know, tonight we, we can see the results of, of his work and uh, I'm sure he's going to have many, many more games like this where he just, you know, uh, knock down shots. And uh, I felt like he was also good defensively and, that's really the key with Joel. It's like we know he can shoot, but when he's able to to have a positive impact defensively, uh, you know, his minutes on the court are really, really great for us. There's Rudy, 10 points, 12 boards, 6. Count them, 6 block shots for Rudy last night as the Jazz win over the Hornets 132 to 110. Up next... The second-place team in the Western Conference is in uh, Vivint Arena coming up tomorrow night. The LeBron James and the Lakers are in town. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. It's an ESPN game. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7 right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines stay with us.